0: Hello Rogues, it's episode 14 of the Streets of Avalon re-release. We are 9 stretch goals in as of this recording, which means for the $10 PDF you'll get the book, The Streets of Avalon, and the following supplements. The Urban Ranger, The Firearms of Avalon, A Map of a Neighborhood, Iron Shoes and the Blacksmith's Folly, Two Adventures by Avalon creator Brett B. of Gaming and BS, The Urban Barbarian, Ten Magic Items and Spells, Four Character Dossiers of the Characters from this very podcast a district map of Avalon, and we're going to collect these supplements into a book because we're $3 away from the goal where we do just that. So click on the link in the post notes if you want to get in on all the dark, citywide urban fantasy action, or you can just type in tinyurl.com slash Avalon. Now, before we get to the play, let's get another preview for you folks. This is from one of the random encounter charts in the back of the book. Sewers 1. 1d6 giant rats are hunting for food, and the characters are the closest thing to food they've seen in days. 2. A fresh corpse floats by the characters. The person was, as is apparent by their dress and equipment, once a member of the Brotherhood of Sanitary Excavators. The person's head has been crushed from behind, and they have a strange burn on their left hand. 3. A carrion crawler, scuttling across the ceiling of the sewer, charges out of the darkness at the characters. It attempts to paralyze one character as fast as it can. The creature then attempts to take the paralyzed character back to its lair to dispatch and eat. 4. An enraged Atoya charges into the characters, bursting upon them and trying its best to slay them all. The creature is actually wounded and driven mad from a recent fight with a giant albino sewer alligator, which may not be far behind. 5. The walls on either side of the character suddenly collapse on them. Characters must succeed in a DC-10 dexterity saving throw or take 2, 1d4, bludgeoning damage and be knocked prone Immediately after this, a band of 2d6 kobolds ambush the characters from each side, intent on killing them and looting their bodies. 6. The roots from the trees have broken through the ceiling and created a tangled mess. Characters must take an hour to cut, hack, and squirm their way through if they want to get past. This is tiring and noisy work. 7. 2d4 zombies erupt from the knee-deep liquid and attack with surprise, with the intent to grapple and drown the characters, and thus join their ranks. 8. The floor beneath the characters gives way, dropping them into an opulette-style cave 20 feet beneath the floor. Characters must succeed in a DC-10 dexterity saving throw or take 1d6 bludgeoning damage. The cave immediately starts to fill with liquid and debris from the now-modified flow of the sewer water. 9. The ceiling collapses and leaves enough debris to separate the characters and fully block the passage. A half-day of digging, moving, and propping up rubble is needed to clear the blockage, but the sound attracted a hungry pack of giant rats. 10. A giant crocodile has been lurking here, just beneath the surface, surrounded by floating sewer debris. It attacks the first character to come within range who does not succeed on a DC-15 wisdom perception check. 11. A swarm of rats are attacking a giant centipede. It's difficult to tell who's winning. If the characters engage, the rats flee and the centipede attacks. 12. A blockage of debris in a low spot has caused the sticks to back up and create a waist deep pond. A giant constrictor snake has taken up residence in the still water. That's all for this installment. Now on to the next episode, and if you've backed the Kickstarter, thank you. And if you have or haven't, please tell your friends, enemies, the monsters you know, any rogues that you associate with, and everyone in between about the streets of Avalon. Last time on the streets of Avalon, our rogues helped Vera and saved a griffin from a couple of goblins. Now the question is, what will they do with the griffin, and what's behind the brick wall they're tearing down? Let's find out what moves our rogues will make next. Welcome to the Streets of Avalon, played by the Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars, and presented by Misdirected Mark Productions, in conjunction with Gaming and BS, She's a Super Geek, and the Knights of the Night. Now for the introductions of our GM, the players, and the characters.
1: Uh, Brett B. from Gaming and BS. I am the Dungeon Master. Hi there, this is Kevin Lovecraft. I'm
2: playing a bard in this 5e campaign maris salinas uh my name is tom i'm one of the gms and editors of knights of the night actual play podcast i am uh, playing a druid character nora maginnis also known as grandmother
3: i'm emily from she's a super geek i make up about one half of it technically i am playing a ranger Fionn McFinnigan.
0: And my name is Chris Sneezak, and I am one of the hosts and, uh, I guess, the architect of Misdirected Mark Productions. I am playing a character called Vassar Vim. I am a rogue who lives on the hard streets of Avalon,
1: and I up, turn clang, the microphone just, over to Brett and shot, roll a nine, it skitters off the rocks, they go, ee! and they just they drop the griffin and run.
0: Remember, you're still alive because of me. Still alive because of me. That's all I'm saying.
4: Well, shit, now what do we do with
0: it?
3: I'll, I'll look back at grandmother and be like, maybe he's hurt.
4: So,
2: what are you going to do with this
4: Griffin?
3: Well, at least he's not going to get eaten now.
2: Uh, Mr. Muddy, yeah, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Is there an exit to the sewers nearby? Yeah,
1: I could get him out.
2: You want me to drag him out of here?
1: Yeah. Yes, please. Or at least
2: put him close so he can find his own way.
0: All right. And you know what, MJ? Let him know that you saved him, so that if you ever need a favor from the Griffins. Then you can just use, you can name drop him.
1: Oh, that's smart thinking there, bastard. All right, I got him. I'll be, back in, uh, I'll be back in a bit. Shouldn't take too long. I just want to make sure he set it proper. Might have to get him a drink or something. Make sure he set it. Probably want to think the eels open about this time. I'll get him up there. Don't you worry. I'll be right back.
0: All right, let's go rip some more bricks off.
1: Joe slings the uh, griffin, drags him out of there. You guys get the bricks down. You have a large oaken door. It appears swollen as would Will in this type of environment it's swollen it's tight to the walls tight to the ceiling tight to the floor there is a rusty iron looking handle on it it doesn't seem to have any external lock or anything like that but you can yank on it push on it can't even see any hinges at this point
4: faster you got a pry bar on on you
1: somewhere probably hold on one second. (laughs) i just gotta look
3: yeah i could try shouldering in the door This sounds like a bad idea. No, Joe left his bag. I should have been clear with
1: that. Joe left his bag. In Joe's Joe's bag, he's got hammers, pry bars, more wrenches. I also have a crowbar and a hammer because I have my burglar pack with me. Going to work the door.
4: See if we can lever it open.
0: I'm going to check it for traps first to make sure it's not going to blow up or anything. Ah, smart man.
3: Oh, I wouldn't have thought of that.
0: What do I roll? Perception? Sleight of hand? What are we talking here?
1: I'll do perception.
4: Holy crap, twenty one. Nice.
1: There's definitely something that will be triggered if you pull this door open. Yeah, do I know what it is? Yeah, absolutely positive what it is. You're not positive what it is, but it's definitely you get this door open, something's going to happen. Is is it of a mechanical nature? So it's not mechanical.
0: Okay. So it's probably magical or or structural then. Hmm. Yes. Fionn, would you mind using your magic eye to take a look to see what could possibly happen when we open this door?
3: Sure. Wisdom, Brett. Oh, shit.
1: Open the other eye. (laughs) (laughs) You're having a very, very hard time focusing on it. So from a system perspective, uh, Emily, what I'm doing is this is like your first stage of attunement. You're working your way through it. How do I use it? How do I not use it? Right. Basically, tomorrow, it will work a hell of a lot easier for you. And eventually, you get to the point where it just snaps and it works. You do your damage. She tries to focus... Yeah, hazy, um, signs point to maybe?
4: I'm just gonna offer, guys, I can do a detect magic here and see if I can at least figure out what the nature of it is. Maybe the trigger?
0: Well, here, if you want. I know you can only do that so many times a day, Mar-Maris. We can jam the crowbar into the door, tie some hemp rope to it, walk around the corner, and then pull the crowbar to pop the door.
4: Okay.
3: Do we have any idea what kind of trap this might be?
0: It's either structural or it is magic.
3: Well, we should have brought rope.
0: I have it. I have 50 feet of rope and I got a crowbar.
2: I could do thorn whip to pull it from a distance of like 30 feet if there's something for me to grip onto. And it's a cantrip, so it's not an issue. There is.
1: There's the uh, that iron handle, so you could get a hold of it that way. And it pulls in? You think... Uh, it, it pulls towards you, yes, you're assuming.
0: I was thinking maybe we could... Like I said, wedge the crowbar in the door, tie the rope to it, go around the corner, and then pull. That way it'll pop the door and we'll be around the corner. So if it blows up, we'll be around the corner.
2: That's fine, but we, yeah, we have to pull it into here. Sounds fair to me. Into this room.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I'll take my hammer, and I pull my hammer out in the crowbar, and I go to the door. I'm like, I'm just going to knock it in here, and I ever so lightly tap it in. Then I tie the hemp rope to it, and I'm like, now let's walk around the corner. And uh, you're feeling you're stronger than me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Fiona, you gonna give it a tug?
3: Yeah, if that seems to be the consensus of what to do. Although before I will look at King Tom.
1: He sits he's sitting down, he's cleaned his face a few times, nods at you.
3: After he nods, I will pull the rope.
1: It gets tight, give me a strength check, please. I'll assist so that she gets advantage. Thank you. Oh very good, nineteen. So hoot pop it sticks tight. It kind of has the um, the cork out of the wine bottle feel. It's tight, 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 boonk, and it pops open. There is a huge, booming sound. It is a deep, resonant voice that says, whom do
3: you seek?
0: I, I peek my head around the corner, and I say, Ergon.
3: Ergon. Uh, Who,
0: Who shall I say is calling?
3: Is I look at the group and shrug.
0: Nora McGinnis. She <laughs>
3: thinks. Please,
1: Please wait. wait. Then nothing.
3: So that's that wasn't a that wasn't a trap, that was a butler spell?
0: I think so.
4: I uh, know, let's go around the corner and see what happened. I'll go around the
1: corner and take a look, unhood my lantern. There's a large disembodied mouth sitting in the portal way, right? So the door is pulled open and there's a huge mouth, probably three feet across, foot and a half high. It's closed right now, it's just floating there. Reach out and touch it. <laughs> You reach out and touch it. Sure. Your hands go right through it.
3: Oh, so we could maybe go inside?
4: Stick my hand through it.
1: Anything happen? No. You can, with the lights that you have, you can see beyond it. Oh, okay. It's a passageway that goes down maybe ten feet, opens up into what looks like a sitting room of some kind. As you're standing there directly in front of it, Maris, the voice booms directly from the mouth. You may enter and wait. Thank you. It is really loud, and that's ringing your ears bad.
4: I'm going to step through it, and I'm just going to toss off a quick little cantrip with a little nursery rhyme about lights and have some dancing lights floating around in the room with us. Sounds good. In case we need to like drop lanterns and whatnot.
1: The room you will come into is about 15 by 15. It has a domed ceiling. It's, everything is completely dust-covered. There are books, what were probably very plush, wonderful leather chairs at some point, end tables. There are musty and mold-covered bottles of what you assume to have been wine. The crystal is, again, covered in dust and mold and just raw age. Once you walk in, Vassar's, uh, excuse me, Maris's dancing lights are kind of illuminating the area. There are moldy, rotten books and different things. It's a sitting room. It's a waiting room of some kind. There's another door that leads out of here. It is... um. Dead center in the wall directly across from you.
4: Uh, how long do we have to wait? I say up in the air as I walk over to uh, one of the bookcases to uh, blow some dust off a tome and see what it is.
1: You have uh, no answer back. Hello? Vassar, um, what are you up to? I'm going to go and check out the other
0: door because I don't think anyone's coming. I'm going to see if it's, uh, if, if it's trapped and locked and such.
1: The new door? Yeah. Okay. So you walk right up to that and start mucking about. Maras, the books are all written in an old empire language. I don't know if that's something that you're fluent in, but it's it's a very old, not often used anymore except for legal paperwork.
4: Hmm. Put that back on the shelf.
1: <laughs> Many of the scrolls and things do the whole, they kind of crumble at your touch, that whole very, very old, moldy tomes type of perspective. Grandmother, a chair has been dusted off for you to sit by Fionn. Will you sit? Nora takes every opportunity to sit when she can. You must rest when you have the opportunity.
3: It's not a plushy chair because those aren't easily cleaned, so whatever kind of chair I can clean off pretty easily.
1: Fair enough. Vassar, you check the door out. Um Give me a check, please. A little perception. Oh, very well, 19. That door is not locked and it is not trapped.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to count to 100, and if nobody nobody shows up, then I'm going to say we move on.
1: Yeah, at 99, you're pretty sure no one's coming, and at 100, you're dead positive, no one's coming.
0: I don't think anybody's coming. We should just go through this door.
1: And then I open the door.
4: Oh, go ahead and push the dancing lights through.
3: Can I go back to the first door and lock it?
1: Fiona, yeah. you may pull the door tight, but you do not see any lock mechanism of any kind, so you could pull it tight if you'd like. Here, Red, take this, and I give her a pitten so she can pitten the door shut. Steel wedge. Good idea.
3: Oh, okay. She She looks at it for a minute, then looks at you. And then figures it out, and she's like, "Oh, okay," and puts it in. I've never seen one of those before.
1: Fast, are you leading the charge down the hall there.
0: Uh, I am. Yeah, I am not charging down the hall, but I am. <laughs> Damn it! I was <laughs> oh, a- oh, trying to use it. This- taking the point with my uh, with my lantern that yeah. I have.
1: Passage is about fifteen twenty feet long. There is a door at the far end of it, directly in front of you, and then also halfway down, there's a door on the left and a door on the right.
3: Arrow on the bow. This
1: passage is dry, as opposed to the sewers. Yes, it is. This one is much, much drier. The moisture and so forth pretty much stopped at the oaken door that you guys had to un- unstick to get into here. Everything else in here is just dusty, dry. There's bits of mold and stuff that you would get, but it is not at all <clears throat> Excuse me, as you were originally. Everything you've done now, you're pretty sure you are stepped up in elevation from down here, so it's even a little more dry. Is there any indication of a lot of traffic that's come through here? What door is used the most often? Vassar's footprints are the only prints you're seeing in the floor. I stop for a
0: second as I start strolling, and I look over my shoulder, and I'm like, anyone, anything, before I go uh, get killed some in some horrible death trap? Magic eye? Give it a shot. It sounds like a good idea. Magic eye the place.
3: Uh, So I kind of magic eye the place, but I don't see anything suspicious. Nope,
1: give me one more roll.
3: I didn't roll great, but you don't know that. Claire. That's true.
1: All right. All right.
0: Awesome. Maris. anything that you noticed that we could use to our advantage? Any stories?
4: I can rack my brain for any stories about this place. Do we think this is like the outer chambers leading into Ergon's catacomb, based on the map?
1: You're assuming so, based on the map. That's what you're assuming.
4: All right. So I'm going to use my knowledge of stories and history here. Uh, That's uh, 19. Very well done.
1: So, Ergon was an ancient architect. He was uh, also known to be a sorcerer of some power. He was accustomed to being, well, I shouldn't say accustomed to, it was common for people to call upon him, ask him advice. He was a master in many different ways. So, what you're seeing here would seem to indicate that this is what may or may not be left of one of his homes, perhaps.
0: All right. I checked the passageway for some kind of trap
1: that he might have left for us. Alright, faster. 14. Alright. So, the door on the right and the door on the left, both of those are locked. The one at the far end is unlocked. You can tell that. Basically because the one at the far end has no locking mechanism. Obviously, the other two do have inset keyholes. So, the assumption is that they're locked. You don't see any obvious traps or triggers. You've been looking at the floor. It's all very uniform. Small cobblestones. There's no, like, big 10-foot cobblestone or anything like that. You don't see... Anywhere where the dust is settled, funny, you don't see any signs of traps, there's cobwebs and stuff from the ceiling. But even with the dancing lights from Maris, you're, you've are you not uncovered anything that would make you like, question the shadows or anything like that.
0: All right, doors on the left and the right are locked, folks, and the one at the end looks like it's unlocked. What would you like to do first? Should we work clockwise around the, around the passageway?
4: You think it can get that unlocked faster?
0: Well, I'll give it a go.
2: Should we take a listen or something at it first?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: anybody got better ears than me? I have a four.
2: Grandmother will take a listen at the first, the door on the left.
1: Okay, um, nine, you don't hear much there. It's just, it's a really thick, heavy door, a lot of dust. You don't hear anything except your own breathing.
2: Nora shrugs at Vassar. Well,
1: I'll pick the lock then. Okay. Door on the left.
3: Why wouldn't we just go through the door that's not locked first?
1: So,
0: Fionn... When you were scouting in the woods, do you leave anything to chance when you were hunting something? To, like, let something else sneak up on you from behind?
3: I really don't think this is a parallel for that. No? No.
0: When I'm stealing things, I usually just make sure that there's no place that's unturned. I don't like to walk by a place and leave it to my back when I don't know what's
1: there.
3: Whatever, Vassar. <laughs>
1: Holy cow! 27, sleight of hand. Pink! Natural 20. Yes. You're able to easily open the door. The door pushes in. You can slide it open. This, uh, appears to have been a kitchen, perhaps, at one point. There is, um, plates, spoons, uh, an oven in the back. Uh, well, it's probably a coal bin or something along those lines. There's all sorts of stuff here. Who the hell locks their kitchen?
4: Yeah, I don't know, but. Sorcerer type
0: nuts. And there's nothing else in here, just that, just that room?
1: Yep, are you going in? No.
0: Okay. Why bother? We're looking for a person. Obviously not in there. All right,
1: I turn around and I'll do the other door then. So no one's going in the kitchen, we're going to shut that door and check out the door on the right. Sure. Okay.
0: I also look at you, Red, and I glare at you. I'm like, you know, you should probably like adjust your attitude a little bit. People die in places like this. And then I pick the other lock.
3: Oh, do they really? I had no clue we were on such a dangerous mission. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's funny.
1: All right, with the nine, Vassar, you uh, you mess with it, you mess with it, and um, you can't quite seem to pop that one. Uh, I can't, I can't unlock this one.
0: Anybody want to, you know, kick it open or something?
4: Oh, if we can't get it open easily, let's check the one that's not locked. Sure. First, we can always kick that one in later. That's going to be noisier than hell, not to mention we already been talking back and forth out here for about five minutes.
3: I had been preparing to kick, but as Maris says that, I just put my leg back down and look disappointed.
1: I'm going to go open that door. Vaster give me a perception check as you approach the door. Sure. Nineteen. With the 19, yes, there is definitely um, a voice or voices coming from the other sides of that door. Hmm. Somebody is arguing and complaining. You can't tell if that person is lecturing somebody or what the deal is, but there's definitely a problem.
3: There's somebody on the other side of the door. Can I try my eye again?
1: Yes, you may. All right, Fionn, this one's actually pretty simple for you. The door has preservative magics on it. So that it maintains its shape and function and so forth. There's nothing, no traps, no magic mouths, no anything, no other enchantments other than preservation upon that door.
4: I lean into the group and go, maybe we should knock?
1: I
0: was thinking the same thing.
4: Surely they heard the ma- magic mouth.
0: I think that's a great idea, Morris. You knock.
4: I give it three sharp raps. Hello? Hello? We're here for that meeting.
1: Come in, come in, come in. Loudly.
4: I turn and look back at everyone with like a, oh my God, eyes, <laughs> like <laughs> raise my shoulders like, well, here it goes. Open the door and kind of stick my head in. and like, uh, yeah, I'm like, kind of hold my hand back to you guys so that if
1: something bad happens, you're not in the blast zone and
4: step in with the door open.
1: Hi. This room is incredibly well lit. It is a laboratory of some kind. There is bits of dust here and there, but it's obviously being used all the time. Tons of activity. The floor has tracks all over the place. There's splatters, splashes. It smells of sulfur and guano, and just any an alchemist laboratory or some sort of a spellcaster's place. The back is to you of the the individual sitting in a high back chair. Their back is to you. They're at a table right now, and they're looking at something, and they're. Arguing with it, you come in, say the hello, and it says, So you're, uh, this is Nora, Nora McGinnis?
4: Uh, I'm with Nora. Uh, actually, I'm Morris, and you are, so I can introduce Nora to you.
1: Come in, come in, come in. Shut the door behind you.
4: Yeah. Uh, do you want Nora in here, though, or no?
1: Well, he might as well bring all of you in.
4: Okay. Hey, guys. Uh- How does he know there's more than two of us? Uh, I may have kind of, like, given that away. I don't know.
1: All right. Well, I guess I walk in. I enter. Perfect.
4: I'm going to circle around the table so I can look at the person.
1: Once you guys come in, he stands up and walks out. No, oh, he's incredibly dead. His face has nearly no flesh left on it. He has green fire dancing in his eye sockets. The hair is gone, except for little wisps here and there. The uh, The skin is just tatters on him. His hands seem to be in fairly decent shape from a skin perspective. His right hand is uh, stained heavily from inks. He has potions and all sorts of things on his table. And uh, he steps out, sees you all, walks directly up to Grandmother. creek, creak, creak. One of his feet is uh, completely skeletal from the knee down. The other one is more of a compact, leathery, mummified flesh. He's barefoot, or... Bone foot and the one per one side makes his way up to you, takes your hand, grandmother, and uh, brings it up to his bony little uh, no lip having mouth, and you think he kisses the back of your hand and says, "Pleasure to meet you, Nora." I assume these are your servants. Yes, we're we're her servants.
3: Must yeah, they are
2: my friends. Uh, I'm a compatriot. Oh, who do I have the pleasure to be uh, addressing here?
1: I am Urgon, sorcerer architect to the king of Avalon. I see. Insight? Yes, you may roll insight if you want. Damn. Morris' question was around the smell. He has a wonderful aromatic smell of cloves, spices, burial incense.
3: Hmm. So it smells like myrrh.
1: Yes. Please, sit, sit, sit. He points you to some chairs, which you did not see previously. He tells you to sit down. They appear to be clean and whatnot. Well, I I sit down. He goes, takes his large back chair, turns it around, and sits down in it. And he's facing you, and you're facing him.
4: I'm actually going to go stand behind Nora.
1: Stand behind Nora? Okay.
4: Unless he objects.
1: So the tableau we have is that you walked in in the door, off to your right, was Uragon at his work table? He's turned his chair around after he greeted you and he's facing the other side of the room. Behind him are shelves and bottles and unguents and ointments and everything else he's got. You notice there are two other doors leading out of here, but right now he's facing the four of you in a quasi semicircle of chairs with Mara standing just behind Nora. Vassar, are you seated or no? To
0: the right hand of Nora.
3: I don't sit down either, I don't take my arrow off my bow. Although my insight check didn't tell me anything, but I just, my gut's telling me something.
1: Could be the sticky buns. Could be a sticky buns backing up on you. Give me the, uh, give me another wisdom check, Fionn.
3: Oh my god. Can I use my inspiration and re roll?
1: Yes, you may. You've got breath dice. Oh, a 16.
3: Okay, that's better.
1: The eye kicks in, and you see absolutely perfectly clearly. Yeah, he's dead. He's undead. You are dead positive that this really is Ergon? From what you're seeing, he does not know he's dead. This has not crossed his mind yet.
3: Well, he also mentioned the king who is probably dead.
4: Yeah, there is no king.
1: Oh, there hasn't been a king in Avalon in <laughs> there hasn't been a king in Avalon since the soul war. So, yeah, that's been a while.
3: Uh, do I notice anything about the room that stands out?
1: Books, scrolls, maps. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, the floor itself Is highly carved. It's uh, stone, so the floor is highly carved. It's splashed with different stains from uh, multiple experiments and so forth. But it's very carved. It has different uh, pentacles, pentagrams, different sorts of mystical symbolism that you would see everywhere.
3: What is His Majesty King Tom doing?
1: Tom is sitting on the chair directly behind you. If you go to sit down, you will squish the cat. The cat is apparently hiding behind you.
3: Oh, that's fascinating.
1: Ergon looks at Grandmother and says... Miss McGinnis, how can I help you?
2: We were told that you could possibly help us with a situation we have.
1: Oh, and what is that? Uh, Vessor, would you care to explain? We have a thing called the the Mouth of Erlig. Oh, Jesus. Oh, the mouth. The mouth in the box. Yes, 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 yes. You have it.
0: Uh, we have it somewhere.
1: No, she has it.
0: Uh, we have it somewhere.
1: No, she has it on her. I can feel it. It's right there.
2: Okay, fine. She has it
1: on her. Be careful what you're feeling, young man.
0: So, we were told that if we brought it to you, it would be safe here, and not be able to be taken by the, uh, lithids.
4: Excuse me, can I interrupt my friend for just a moment? I think, actually, if you could tell us where your catacomb is, that's where we need to take it.
1: Oh, you wish to store this in the catacombs?
3: Yes, the catacombs. I will give a meaningful look at Maris.
1: Oh, I see, I see. Okay, very well. Um, It probably is the safest place for it. Okay, we can do that. That's all there is to it? Cool. More or less, yes. How do we get there? Well, um, if you just let me finish up what I'm doing, I can take you right there.
3: What else is in the catacombs?
1: A number of things. The king has had me uh, storing things for quite some time.
3: And you're sure that all of them are safe down here?
1: Well, they haven't left. Are you concerned?
2: Am I getting the impression that this is an individual of great power?
1: Yes. So apart from the fact that he's dead, doesn't seem to notice the fact that he's dead. So that's weird enough in itself. He's speaking about doing things, grandmother, that you're like, okay, I've heard of this type of thing is mystical or mythical in its magical approach. What you're trying to say that you can do here, pal, Um, you simply stash it in a catacomb feels weird to you. You could assume that he's clearly very powerful or he's clearly insane and perhaps another different variation of it. Or both. Because, I mean, it certainly wasn't difficult for us to get here.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, but we never would have known this place was here without the eye
1: and without the map.
3: True, but if this eye exists, then others like it probably do as well.
1: Is this an out loud conversation?
3: Yeah, I assume he sees the eye and knows exactly what it is because he's super powerful, so.
0: So, out of character for a second, I don't know what else to do. Like, we just tell the guy and we follow him to the catacombs. I felt like that was the next logical step. So, I mean, beating around the bush seemed pointless.
4: If we're going to go ahead and put the cards down on the table, I mean, one of the things that the lamplighter made really clear to us, and I look at everyone, I'm like, is it okay if I say this right now?
0: Yeah, say it.
4: Okay, well, the lamplighter made it really clear that Ergon needed to make sure that he kept the box down there. He clearly indicated that Ergon needed to make sure that it didn't leave. Yeah, not just drop it off.
3: Yeah, and those lamplighters do not mess around. Oh.
1: Yeah, so why is he up here, then? Why am I here? Yeah. This is my study. Oh. Yeah, we talked to a lamplighter, by the way. No, that's that's good. That's good. That's very good. I think, um, hmm. Yes, so I will take it to the catacombs. I can uh, place it in safekeeping there, and uh, n- until such time as the king calls for it, it will remain. Perfect. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's great.
2: And when should we take it to the catacombs?
1: Grandmother, it would probably be best if I took it on my own and did not subject you to the journey.
2: Mars, did I misunderstand what you were saying?
1: Well,
4: what I have uh, for recollections from our discussion with the lamplighter, although I have to admit I was pretty shaken up when I made the mistake of looking at it with those glasses, is that we have to make sure that Ergon keeps the box and uh, and again, the lamplighter mentioned that. Uh, well, I can't mention that other bit. I'm gonna pull out the glasses from my cloak, put them on, and brace myself for nausea or whatever happens. And look up at Ergon.
1: Um, you see Ergon as he sees himself. Ergon sees himself as a man in his fifties, approximately, long white beard, baldly on top, immaculately dressed for the period, which is a few hundred years ago. He sees himself as the sorcerer architect to the king of Avalon, and um, he's conducting this as if he would any other piece of royal business.
4: So you guys see me looking, pulling the glasses down, looking over and pulling them back up, looking over them, you know, up and down. Then I pull them off and hand them to him, like, gesture for you to take a look just so you can potentially see the same thing I saw. So... Mm -hmm. Can you guarantee that this box would be safe if we turn it over to you to take into the catacomb? And can you make sure no one else will go in there?
1: I can guarantee... Well, guarantee is very difficult, young Morris. I mean, there are so many different variables and so on and so forth. But yes, for what you're looking for, yes, I can guarantee that it will be here, kept safe, until the king calls for it.
4: And what if I tell you that there's some hammerites who... Uh, are also trying to get their hands <clears> on <throat> this box and would attempt to get in or attempt possibly to pose as bringing word from the king that uh, had to be turned back over to their care to be given to the king, and that would be a total lie. Would you know that if they came up to you?
1: Absolutely. The king does not follow the Hamorites in any way. They're an abomination unto the uh, unto our Lord Odin. Why would, why would I ever follow them, or anything that they say?
4: Uh, I like hearing that.
1: All right. I think we go with this plan. It seems like a good plan. Nora, do you plan to hand the box over? This is
2: Vassar and Morris's city. They know best on who can and cannot be trusted. If this is true, unless I'm getting some other sense that it is a bad idea, perhaps I can do an insight. Yes. Oh, he's on the level.
1: With a nine, you're pretty positive he's on the level. There's not. I mean, it's very odd and incredibly bizarre, and this it has a. Uh, odd, bizarre, and almost out-of-body type of discussion here, right? This doesn't make a lot of sense to you. Um, you're having to put a lot more on faith than even you would like. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, though.
3: I will go with the box. The rest of you can return to the surface. Whoa, wait a minute?
0: I mean, we can all go with the box. You don't mind if we tag along?
3: yeah, uh, you talking
4: about staying down here with the box, like, forever, field, Or are you just the escort?
3: It would be best if at least one of us Went with the box and ensured where its resting place is.
0: Hey, Ergon, you wouldn't mind if we all tagged along, would you? I mean, I'd really
1: like to see these catacombs. I hear they're really, really amazing, especially this time of year. Um, yes, actually. Um, it it would not be good, uh, for all of you to go. Fionn, my dear, if we do this, you're not coming back.
3: That's all right. Grandmother, I'll take the box.
0: That's all for this episode of The Streets of Avalon. Tune in next time for the final episode of the first story of The Streets of Avalon and learn the fate of Fionn. We look forward to running with you rogues next time. The Streets of Avalon is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs.